just a quick warning when me and Tom get passionate or a bit nervous, we tend to swear more than usual. So just keep that in mind when you're listening to our podcast. Phil, this is the foundation of our business. And we spent two and a half grand on a marquee. <laughs> so you hadn't had to deal with the, 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 the drama that I was doing with out front. And I remember it was at that moment I knew we'd fucked up. <laughs> I don't forget the noise you made when that oil hit your face. Wow, that was that was very lucky you didn't 100% die then. I'm Phil. I'm Tom. And we're the co-founders of Honest Burgers, and this is the Honest Podcast. Why are we doing a podcast, Tom? We are ripping the plaster off the last 10 or so years of how Honest Burgers started in a muddy field in a tent outside of Brighton and is now a national burger chain with over 45 restaurants and over 900 people that work for us. Oh, we're going to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everyone. Welcome to Honest Burgers podcast. It's our very first attempt um, at a conversation. Yeah, officially, officially we've been talking about this for about five years, I think, and... We feel like we've got lots of stories, kind of like, um, yeah, like old war stories now. And we've got lots of, um, of stuff we want to talk about. So we thought it'd be good to get started. And Phil and I are going to give this a go and we're probably going to get it wrong, but we're going to give it a go. Um, and the subject of our very first um, podcast is, we're going to try and keep swearing to a minimum, but is honest fuck ups. Um, I love it. It keeps going to a minimum, the, but we're going to title the podcast. That's it. No one asked to swear after that. We're in our Holborn restaurant right now, which um, I, which was the last restaurant to reopen, actually, since the pandemic. So it's only been open since the 14th of February. Yeah, big moment, that, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, apologies if there's any background noise or, or um, whatever you can hear. But we wanted to get, yeah, get sort of stuck into what made Honest what it is today. And I'm a firm believer in some of our biggest mistakes, let's call them that instead, um, actually shaped us. Um, Definitely. And uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, like shaped me as a human, shaped you as a human, and then ended up shaping the business, really. What do you class as a mistake? Just to get, let's get some definitions out. Maybe that's a think, broader term, but I don't know. I mean, it's got to just be stuff that didn't go the way you planned it to go, right? Is that a yeah, mistake? Yeah, that's, that's a pretty good definition yeah. of a mistake, to be which, fair. Which yeah, so we've, got, we've got a fair number of those from the early days and a very recent ones as well. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I genuinely remember the very first mistake I made. wasn't We weren't even called Honest Burgers then. When you agreed to go into business with me. <laughs> that would be a good one. 11 years ago in the Bath yeah. Arms. Yeah, I should have just shut that conversation down. Yeah, like, hey, Tom, let's go for a beer. Um... So my very first mistake, in fact, maybe we should set the scene a little bit about, mm. about Honest. So, so Phil and I met working in Brighton um, at an amazing restaurant called Riddle and Finns. Um, and as Phil alluded to then, we decided to go into business together because we, we got on, we had good work ethics and we were both kind of in that period of our lives. We didn't really know what we were doing, kind of bumbling along. And we thought, why not? Let's 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 jump in and um, do something that we're both passionate about. And Phil's really passionate about about working with people. Um, you know, from this restaurant, he was um, ended up being the general manager of that restaurant, and I quickly left at that stage because <laughs> over my dead body was he going to be managing me? Um, and I was really interested in food, so so it's quite an easy decision to go right. Let's go into something that um, promotes both those things, but we didn't have any money, so. We bought a marquee, a grill, um, fryer. a fryer, and we set off trying to change the world one burger at a time. Um, but yeah, yeah. The, to, to get down to like this actual podcast and why we're talking, my very first mistake was... Oh, we, I know this one, yeah. Know it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, go on. We ordered this, we basically had this job. So my, it was a friend of my mum's. Me and Phil had set this company up. Was, we oh, called no. The, Oh, this I thought is, you were going to do it. Oh, there's one before no, this is this is this is so early on. We set up a company called Honest Eating Co. Because we were we wanted to do burgers, and that's what we were kind of both passionate about. But we also wanted to diversify. And I'd just done a business degree, so diversification was hot on the topic. So we thought, <laughs> let's do let's let's have a name that doesn't just pigeonhole us into something that's just burgers. 
So yeah. Honesty Inc. was born. And we had this, this job, which was um, for a friend of my mum's. It was her daughter, 18th birthday party. She's called Romilly. Um, hey, Romilly, if you ever listen to this. Can we come and do your 30th? She's probably even This old. year? And it would be, wouldn't this it? This summer? Yeah, yeah. Genuinely. Hell. There's an idea for We'll do you a good price. Let's come and do the 30th. Yeah. Um, and so we had this, this job in the, in the future, like on the horizon, which is great, by the way. If you ever want to get your ass into gear, put something unmovable on the horizon and then you just have to work towards it. So we put this job in. We were like, amazing. We've got a business. Someone's going to pay us money to cook food. And then it was like, okay, we haven't actually got anything else. So first things first was a marquee. And Phil and I had put two and a half grand in each, which was literally every single penny to my name at the time and pretty much for you as well, right? Yeah, yeah I'd saved uh, across the sea season a few months before that. So that was it. That was my savings. Yeah. And I decided, I remember the conversation. I remember, I remember the, the exact words I said. I was like, Phil, this is the foundation of our business. And we spent two and a half grand on a marquee. Yeah. So we spent I, I, I 50%. Just, I, I mean, it's a fucking good marquee and it's yeah. still still surviving today. Wow. It is. It's, it's not, I mean, it's seen better days, but. Yeah, festival number six killed it, didn't it? Yeah, literally nearly. It's bent it. It like, it's yeah. been morphed out of shape. But, but basically we had this job on the horizon. I needed to order the marquee and I ordered a, I think I ordered British Racing Green because my lovely wife, who's also our, um, graphic designer and kind of closest to a creative director she had chosen dark British racing green um, it's called bronze green actually which is our colour because um, that felt right it feels honest um, and I was on the phone to this lady ordering this marquee and she said oh we don't have that one in stock I've got emerald green do you want to do that instead and I was like yeah that'll be fine didn't even look what colour emerald green was <laughs> didn't check and then Sure enough, about three weeks later, the marquee showed up and it was like luminous, like, I don't know, how would you describe that green? Not, not yeah. British to racing. Toxic, maybe. Toxic green. <laughs> yeah, like kind of radioactive green. Not a nice green at all. But that was my first mistake that... I remember you opening the box in your flat and being like, oh, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I mean, that was that. But yeah, it, yeah, it bothered you, but obviously no one knew who we were, right? So, yeah. Um, what not, mistake not. did you think I made then? <laughs> I thought you were shooting to the one about pre-seasoning the meat because you went straight to the job. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to skip mistake. the racing green one. So I was about to call you back to the original no, no, no. racing green mistake because I thought you were going to skip over that one and go straight to the next one. Which was? Well, I'll open the floor to you again now, which was deciding to stick about three kilos of pepper in, a, in our burger and, and for, it that, was, for that birthday party. Yeah, and I, I bought the wrong pepper... I bought cracked black pepper, which is basically like a quarter of a fucking peppercorn cracked into like big chunky pieces. And we, yeah, we pre, we, that was before we knew that pre-seasoning beef is just the wrongest thing to do. Totally, yeah. We did, we were learning, weren't we? And we were just like, we need to get some salt and pepper in there. Obviously all good, all good beef needs good, needs good seasoning. We just, one, yeah. You just threw it in. I don't feel like that era, and this makes it sound really old, but do you, like, if, if you have a problem now, you go to Google and you find an answer. Like, I don't remember Googling anything back then. I don't remember going, because I, I didn't have a smartphone then. It was like to Google something, you get out a big, chunky laptop and, like, wait 10 minutes for it to open up. And then by that time... What would, Google, what, would, what would Google say now if she said, do you pre-season burgers? I think it would come up with a hell no, probably. Do you reckon? Interesting. But yeah, I put, I, put, um, I put cracked black pepper in our mints, which basically just tasted like a big fiery burger patty, like pepperiness. Yeah, it was proper, proper seasoned, wasn't it? We got away with it. People loved it. I mean, the 18-year-olds the, yeah. the were just looking for... Anything to line their stomach so they could drink more. Yeah, they didn't care, did they? They were just, uh, there's about 200 of them by memory. Yeah. It probably wasn't that many. I think probably 100 of those burgers yeah. ended up being puked up by these pissed up 18-year-olds. Well, we slept in the tent that night. I remember this vividly. We hadn't really thought we were like, yeah. we'll, we'll cook burgers. <laughs> I, I can't remember what time we said we stopped cooking I burgers. I slept with a knife, Presum literally, yeah. on Presumably my it was chest. quite late, but, you know, we were very protective over the money we just spent on all our brand new kit. And we were sleeping in this tent in the middle of an 18-year-old's birthday party in a field, basically. And all these kids are having this party around us. And yeah, you literally slept late with a knife the night, yeah. under your pillow. And every 
I remember every sort of 15, 20 minutes, you'd hear the Velcro on the side of the tent yeah. going in the middle of the night. Some kid either looking for more food or trying to take a piss, yeah. basically. You're like, fuck off! Yeah, waving the knife and scaring these kids out of our tent. And yeah, job one. Man, that doesn't, that feels like a long time ago. Yeah, it was. And at the same time, I can remember it like it was yesterday. I can see the garden, I can see everything. I really want to go back and do a 30th in that exact spot. Well, let's do it. It must be this. It will be difficult because right? they don't live there anymore. It? So we'd have to oh. <laughs> we'd have to get the buy-in off the, the new owners yeah. of the house. But yeah. but um, yeah. yeah, I mean that was that was the first day, right? I mm. don't think we made any money from it at all. But I was in. I think we cemented one of our key foundations of that part of our business on that day. One of our key values, which was, and you, you may think they're going to be some grandiose words around quality and what have you, but actually it was, you can never have enough cable ties. <laughs> Yes. Right. That was our... Uh, yeah, any, any street food trader who's listening to this will, will, yeah. will wholeheartedly agree the importance that cable ties basically are the foundation to street food businesses. Cable ties and empty boxes. Yeah. If, you think, if you've got a street food business or you're setting one up and you think, we'll just get three boxes for stuff, get six. Yeah, and, and, and fill them all with cable ties. So moving, moving beyond that first job then, let's get into some of the, the big meaty mistakes. Good pun. What, oh, yeah, yeah, what, yeah. Was, what was one of the... Well, how far ahead do you want to go? Because, I, you know, you think about Lewis Fireworks tonight. As, I don't know what's... What was the mistake about that? It was a great <laughs> evening. <laughs> well, I don't know. It wasn't our second job. It was obviously, I think, the birthday party was in the summer and obviously Fireworks was a few months after that. So, yeah. And I remember you calling me up about two days before the Fireworks event. Yeah. So, this is when we were just, like, looking for events to cater at right which just again randomly. i want to just stress that it was hard right it wasn't like i couldn't like trying to find jobs in brighton no, back then it. trying to find street food jobs 10 years ago i know it's like we sound like old cronies here but that's true I, by the way because i think you'd have a that there's far more opportunity now street yeah, food markets particularly in London, of, right? yeah like i couldn't i mean this is this is my desperations i was searching on gumtree <laughs> street yeah, food jobs so mistake one you don't <laughs> find good street food pictures on gumtree yeah I know, I, I don't know, I came across one and I was like, Phil, pack your bags, we've got a job, the Lewis, like, awesome. Lewis Fireworks, which is like, you know, <laughs> which a you million got... people go to or something ridiculous yeah. from all around the country. Yeah, I got a busy. job two days before it goes live. <laughs> yeah, like, alarm bell one, found it on Gumtree. Smell alarm bell two, you got the job two days before the event. Yep. So sure enough, we, we hire a van, we didn't have a van or anything, we used to hire one, whack all our equipment in it. We used to, with the field kitchen, right? So literally yeah. had to build a kitchen out of off the ground filled kitchen plate baby that's it um, so jumped in this van drove into Lewis with the sat nav postcode in the sat nav drove into Lewis god it was busy wasn't it I drove, remember that drove out of Lewis <laughs> yeah and we were like hang on a minute where the hell are we going and we ended up on top of this hill basically a farmer had just said yeah I think he'd invited a bunch of mates over to entrepreneurial yeah. farmer here's a field he just opened the gate and said just stick your tent in there next to a massive bonfire. Yeah, and a donut van. <laughs> and a donut van. And I never remember the, uh, uh, sorry, I never forget the anger. Yeah. The seething, seething anger of us. Rage. Had been in the field for about two hours in the rain setting up our kit. And he just drove in, opened his hatch and turned his light on. Yeah, and was like, <laughs> and went, ready right, to go. And what you, what you forget is we had the best, the, the very best that a massive hill in the south coast. Oh my God, the weather. Right Biblical. next to the sea that could offer us. It was like sideways rain. It's raining sideways. And it was like <laughs> blowing a fucking gale. Um, nah. And yeah, trying to set up a marquee, which is effectively a, a sail, a, a big <laughs> sail. Downwind from us is, is one of the biggest bonfires we've ever seen. Like, I look back at it now and think. It would have all been over. Right? Yeah, if yeah, that yeah. marquee had gone, which it could have easily done, into the fire. We didn't have any more money, right? I think we'd have just gone, screw this. Yeah, well, that's one of the things we had. We had these, these, these like, sort of sobering conversations when we were driving the van to the job, and it would always be like, so, if, uh, if we don't make any money in this job, we're officially bankrupt. Yeah, we'd empty the like, account to buy yeah, stock for that job. I mean, job. It, was, it was like, it was brave, courageous, one might say, but it was also very well, stupid. We had nothing to lose, let's be honest. Like, well, we, we had both, the, the business. To, I suppose we could have just slowly made money. But... No mortgages or kids or anything like that to... To, to yeah, which is the greatest thing about starting a business when you've got nothing. <laughs> nothing to lose. What's the worst that can happen? Exactly. But no, that event was, was unbelievable. I mean, I remember trying to chop cheese, holding the marquee down with one hand, stop yeah, it going it away, like, and trying to chop cheese with the other. Yeah, literally, you had, to, you had to anchor yourself to the marquee. And 
This is the best thing about that evening, which was... This is the biggest... Well, this is the mistake. This is really, big, but this so. is where we... Well, I think what we learn about each other then is dogged determination yeah, and resourcefulness. Now, I'm going to take most of the credit for the resourcefulness because we nearly, we nearly went south, right? We nearly lost everything that that event because it was so windy that the gas, um, the gas pilot light on all of our equipment was getting blown out. So we literally couldn't keep the equipment on, and we could we had to take the sides off the marquee because it was That's literally right. like buckling. Yeah, so the wind was just blowing take, leave through. Leave the sides on, lose our marquee. Take yeah. the sides off, and maybe not lose our marquee. Yeah. And we had to trade. And but we were t I was twenty four. You were what twenty seven? Yeah, twenty seven. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we were like fresh faced clowns, basically. In yeah. And all these customers who were up there like battling the weather were just looking at us like. But we managed to get, we, like, we got through, and the, but the, like I said, the worst thing, the, so the pilot light kept on going off. So we were like, is this, is this it? We're gonna, we're gonna throw the towel in, what, what can we do? We'd been serving for about an hour on and off at that point. Yeah, but yeah. it literally was, on and off was the best way to describe it, because the pilot light kept going on and off, and that was that. And then Captain Resourcefulness over here said, Phil, forget about health and safety. Why don't we carry all the equipment into the back of the van and then turn the van into like a little street food van. And this wasn't a street <laughs> food like van, a, this was like a Europe car. It was just a higher hire van. van made yeah. of, the insides all wood. <laughs> um, and we were like, yeah, let's just, let's chuck it in the back. So we got the, the grill in there, that was fine because it was just easy to pick up. And then we, we got the fryer. Now obviously it had been raining for like a week. So the, the muddy field was just like slosh and the fryer had been on, or on and off for the last hour. Um, and we didn't think maybe we should test the oil on the fryer because we're about to pick up like, you know, 20 liters of, of potentially burning hot oil and carry it into the van. Yeah. We just were like, cool, let's go. And we, we sort of bent down and picked this thing up and it's, the fryers are awkward things, right? And, and it's filled with oil that's sloshing around and it was muddy as hell. Heavy, yeah. And we're, we're, we're bringing, I'm a bit, a bit taller than Phil, so we didn't, we didn't, we, we, we didn't plan this at all well. And we start waddling this fryer over to the back of the van. And I remember it was at that moment, I knew we'd fucked up. Because I, I looked at the oil and the oil was splashing. It was, it was, it was a wave, like, it was a wave. Yeah, but you know, like yeah. oil moves in slow motion just by its like, its viscosity. So it was just like, one wave would come to me and you'd be like, and then it wouldn't hit you. And then it would go to you, but you couldn't put it down at this stage. If either of us put it down, you basically, you're basically suiciding the other person. So you've yeah. got to go down with the, with the fryer. So we, we got it to the, to the van, and at this stage, the oil was sloshing all over the place. Yeah. And one, like, almighty tidal wave just came up to fill and just... And I, it was know, like slow-mo. You know, you say you, you don't forget the, the, the first job and Romilly. I don't forget <laughs> the noise you made when that oil hit your face. Ricky Bobby, <laughs> you were convinced that the oil well, was so hot that it must have like burned all of your senses. When you're at school, you watch those videos, don't you? When you're a kid, it's like don't play near a slurry pit and like hot oil and all this. You know those horrible like educational. I've never seen you that. You know those educational videos where you're told like the do's and don'ts of like childhood. Yeah. And it was like hot oil fryers, fam frying pans, you know, chip pans, that kind of stuff. And I just remember the slow, it was like slow motion. I had enough time to know what was about to happen to me. Yeah. It's like and the I third saw it wave well. came back towards me. I was like, this one's going over the edge and it's going in my face. <laughs> and I was in like, face! Didn't, drop the, didn't drop the fire though. No, no. I had your back. Took it like a champ. And Except of course, yeah, what I believe would be scoldingly face meltingly hot oil would had dripped all over my face. And there was and probably, that's yeah, I made like that noise. Today. And I. <laughs> And I think, uh, yeah, the, 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 the second get the, the, the Ricky Bobby scene in Talladega Nights where he thinks he's on fire. I'm on fire! <laughs> uh, that was me probably for a few minutes, like dabbing my face with blue roll. Uh, I thought it was so painful that I couldn't feel anything. It like burnt them off. Yeah, but obviously it turns out that the oil was like lukewarm because we yeah, barely it was, managed it to it was actually quite cool. Yeah, it was quite, <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, wiped myself clean. Um, and it worked, to be fair. Like, yeah, we yeah. managed to get the kit going and we actually did sell some food. Yeah, we sold it all. And it was... I seem to remember counting out about a grand's worth of sales by the time we yeah, got home. which was literally, like, the most money. I thought we could retire. Oh, I couldn't believe it. I was like, have you seen this cash? Like, I was yeah, just giddy like, with excitement. Sodding wet, scrunched up, five-pound notes. Yeah, which was... I mean, look, it, when you actually then spent... When we paid all our invoices and yeah, thought we as you left, it was like... Which is basically the story of Honest yeah. for the first year, right? 
gamefully trying lots of events and genuinely failing quite miserably, right? Yeah, I think so. In terms of making I money, do. I mean, my f- customers really loving what we were doing. I remember having a bit of a moment with a customer who, they just, I remember looking at them and the way they were looking at us and they were like, oh, bless them, right? <laughs> they're, they're, really, they're really trying, these lads. Like, you can really see that. They're not doing, the, you know, they're not doing a great job, but they're really trying. And I remember putting yeah. a burger and chips in one of our boxes down on the table and then just taking my hand away from it and then and literally like... it just goes <laughs> and just blows like into the bonfire about 50 meters away and we were both looked at each other we were like yeah this is this welcome is to outside catering and street food hey yeah and that was i mean that was a good job what about this is this is a good a good mistake mm-hmm. stock take what mistake am i thinking of Oh God! Stock As in, take. we should have done stock takes when we opened in Brixton. Okay, no, I'm being, I'm confusing matters. Man, you're gonna have to, yeah. Stock I'm happy to own up to a mistake, but you're inventory. Have to be That's the same word, stock take. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you just tell this story? Okay, I'll tell the story. That didn't work. Um, when we did a, we had when we when we go to these jobs, right? Phil's sister-in-law right she used to work for hot point oh i know so we had these freezers My God, that was tenuous to be fair i'll take yeah. it from here if you want i know no, 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 i've got this now okay. i couldn't work out what, what i was trying to get across but that is it was tenuous. to do with stock Jeez. we should have counted our covers would have been forecasting i think it's forecasting what, yeah. that's the one <laughs> yeah so <laughs> anyone who owns a restaurant knows that forecasting is important so we did not forecast we ba- this is the this the depth of our forecasting was we had two freezers Mm-hmm. Um, under counter freezers that's right Helen's sister my girlfriend Helen her sister worked at Whirlpool Whirlpool that's it and she, she lovingly donated these two freezers for free um, which is very kind of her so thank you very much um, and we didn't we didn't count how many portions of chips you can fit in these freezers we just used to boil we do we chop we boil we part fry and then we bag up and then we'd stick them in those freezers and then that was that was enough, That right? was our forecasting done. So <laughs> like, the freezers are full. We've, we've forecasted the shit out of it. Like, it's done. Yeah. That was the extent of the science that went into it, yeah. yeah. And then we went to this event in Brighton, which was actually one of the only events we made money from. It was a Brighton food festival. Mm. And it was a really lovely weekend. And it just felt right. And it was busy. And we had a good pitch. Um, we were down it opposite definitely the where... the best one we did, wasn't it? Yeah. Where is it? It's where, the Jubilee um, Library. Yes, the library, exactly. Um... So yeah, so we started and just uh, hit the ground running. We had customers coming up to us just saying how much they loved everything we were doing. We did mini mini chuck burgers, we called them. They were like basically sliders. Um, but our chips went down so well. And like I said, these were triple cooked. And then we would, just like we do in the restaurants today, we would um, season them with rosemary salt. And we got to the end of the first day and we ran out of chips. Our, our forecasting was, was inept. And our freezers were empty. And we were like, damn, we should have bought a third freezer. That would have sorted it right out. But we didn't, we had this decision. And Phil was working in Riddle and Finns that evening. So, so yeah. we did the day where I would, where we both worked um, for Honest Eating with the Brian Food Festival. And then evening, Phil would go straight into serving champagne and oysters at Riddle and Finns. And we were, we were like frantically packing up. So Phil had to go off to work. And we were like, what do we do, man? We've got... We've got no chips. We've got another day of trading tomorrow. Um, we're all right for burgers, but what are we going to do for chips? It took us like two days to fill those freezers, right? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Like no, that we process were... you said, it took two days non-stop, didn't it? Yeah, like we had, I mean, my, my was it your flat or my flat? My flat. It? Your my flat. flat. We still had the frying, the, <laughs> yeah. the oil stains dripping down the walls when I sold it about three or four years later. Yeah, we used to just have our, our like gas tanks, um, canisters and fryers just in the living room of our flats just <laughs> cooking away chips. <laughs> Um, but you know, means what was it needs must and all. Um, so basically, yeah, we got to the this conversation where we we're like, what are we going to do? Um, I think one of us might have uttered, should we just go buy some frozen chips? And then we were both like, nah, no, that's not in our DNA. So we were like, what can we do? Basically, or do we not serve chips? But yeah, uh, that was that was that, that, was, that also, was on the table. That was also part of our DNA, wasn't it? Like maybe it's easy to say use the word DNA when you look back. I don't think we talked about it that values and stuff but like yeah like homemade and serving chips with a burger well, I think I think that that's a really important point actually is what makes us different today 
is still the fact that our food is unique and it's made by us. And that's a big, big thing that I think mm. I'm really passionate, I'm really proud of that we've kept hold of that. But that was that was being ingrained in our in our heads. That was the then. first moment where it showed up and we had a decision to make to go, actually, should we just go to Sainsbury's? Yeah, because if it was if we were just in it for the cash, we'd have gone, let's just go and buy like three times as many chips as we could ever make ourselves yeah. and see if we can flog them. But I think we were we were both so um, like high off the feedback we got from our homemade chips. Everyone was going mad for them because this was this was like what 12, 11 years ago. Rosemary Sawa chips was yeah. barely been invented then, right? Well, let's, let's just to stay there for a second. I think we okay. should have a, 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 have a, a first podcast. A fess. Fess up. Cause it, well, no, 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 that's not fair because I don't think you've ever claimed. Like, you, we get people think and say, oh, rosemary salt, honest. Like, did you invent rosemary salt, Tom Barton? No, I did not. Boom, honest. Who did invent rosemary salt? Well, I don't well, know. Where did you read about rosemary salt? I don't know if he invented it. Where did you read about rosemary salt? I read about it in uh, my good friend, Jamie Oliver. Boom! He's not my friend. I've never met him before. But... Um, yeah, I think I saw it in his cookbook and I was like, that's cool. Made it. I thought, wow, they yeah. taste good. And then we built a business around it. Correct. So, you know, we, 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 we took his little gold dust and turned it yeah. into something quite cool. Exactly. Didn't we? On scale. Anyway, I think it's just nice to get that out there. Yeah. Please don't see us, Jamie. And our honest credentials. Um, yeah. This, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, carry on the story. Go on. You're, so, you're so, basically, yeah, we get to the end of that day and we're like, right, we need to make more chips. That's the only option is we need to make more chips. How are we going to do it? And this is where Captain Resourcefulness went. Get That's not going to stick. You, you can keep saying that. It's not going to stick, you. you get it. You get the Captain Resourcefulness. <laughs> oh, okay. This rolls so nicely off the tongue. Um, because Phil was like, why don't you guys, and this was like me, Connie, my wife, um, Helen, Phil's um, girlfriend, and let's, you guys prep as much as you can. So chop and soak in water. And we have these boxes and Phil... And boil. Oh, yeah. And to boil them. Boil them, yeah, yeah. So you do that, and then when Phil finishes work at Riddle and Finn's um, about midnight tonight, he's going to politely ask the chefs to just leave the gas on, leave the extraction running, and don't ask any questions. Just walk out the door. Rob and Adam from the owners of Riddle and Finn's, if you're you're listening to this, I don't think you've probably ever heard this story. probably didn't know this. Sorry. (laughs) So Phil, what the plan was is in, in the dead of night, um, on Saturday night in, in Brighton when everyone else it was, it was all like the one, in the morning, one in the morning yeah. and Hindus are going out and getting slammed we um, we drove up to the, the back entrance of Riddle and Finn's in Phil's Cinquecento which was just covered in, in potato water at this stage the perfect transport vehicle yeah shaped, it's like, shaped a like a fridge yeah, yeah. Um, with, with all these all these prep chips and basically just very quietly dump them at the back of the restaurant Phil opens the fire exit takes them into the restaurant and then he spends the whole evening blanching them off in oil. It's like bootlegging chips, isn't it? Yeah, basically. And then um, and, and then, then you like... finish that and then I and then we 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 basically exchange shifts. Yeah. I came in at about seven in the morning, you'd done all the, the blanching mm-hmm. and then I did the morning shift getting set up for the food festival. Right. And then we did another day. And we were both like felt very very happy with ourselves because we, we we narrowly dodged the bullet. Yeah. We gave customers, sometimes the same customers actually from the day before, they came back to us again because we had more chips. Um, I remember actually uh, a family in the first year of Brixton at some point, quite late on, we'd been open a little while in Brixton, coming up because they'd come to us at that food festival and were like, we have to come back and get that burger and those chips again. Yeah. And they remembered that festival and I was like, boom, we made the right decision. Yeah, no, that was a, that was a good moment. I think that was a quite a defining moment for... For Massive. both of us I to realise how important pr- that was for us. I'm super proud of that, the decisions we made there. Um, I think that, you know, really helped cement. Certainly, you know, we, we were mates and we'd bonded over lots of things and, and gone into business together for loads of reasons. But I think at that point, I really knew that actually, you know, we're quite different. Anyone who knows us will know that we have very different uh, personalities on certain things and, and, and bring something slightly different to honest. But on, in that regard, I realised that actually we care about the same stuff. The big yeah. stuff that's important, we're, we're totally on the same page. And yeah. That was a good You don't good compromise session. when you're handing... It's the thing, and you said this to me before, the, the beauty of street food is, and the scary thing you could argue, is that you cook something and you hand it straight over to someone and they stand there and they eat it in front of you, kind of, and they kind of look at you like, you know, it's a heart on your sleeve kind of food, isn't it? Yeah, and so if you think about... How could you not do something you're proud of? But if you think about most chefs, you know, who, I know, like the open kitchen is much more... Um, 
much more visible now. But a lot of the time you'd have chefs, you know, deep in the basement cooking food. They never even see the customer. They're not allowed upstairs. Yeah. Like it would be like, yeah. I know that I'm talking about kind of like the 90s kind of atmosphere. But I think street food, like you said, has opened that mindset up. And just like social media did in the, in the very early days, like we would give people burgers and they'd tweet about it within like 10 minutes of you giving it to them. And they'd already written their review. And it was like... Fucking hell, this is like that was such, so that was, immediate. That was, we're straying a little bit from mistakes, aren't we? But that was new for me, by the way, because Twitter, you know, I still don't really use Twitter now, but it was kind of just starting, really, wasn't it? And Yeah, Twitter was the, you know, was the, the cool the, place to be. The, I remember feeling that pressure, which I never felt working in restaurants before, certainly been the Finns managers, like the instantness of a, of a review, right? And English people in particular, like you can go over to a table, everything okay? And they're like, yeah, it's fine. Walk out the door on Twitter. Shit. <laughs> like, oh, ah! We should talk about our first review. Our first review in Brixton Market was from a chap who had a website or blog called ANP Burgers, right? Yeah, Marcus, what and, was his name? Yeah, what's Hello, his name? Marcus, if you're out there. He absolutely destroyed us, didn't he? Like, he wanted, yeah. he wanted an American-style burger, which is, you know, Meatwagon were doing their thing and going, going crazy and, you know, wanted that style. And we obviously went down more of a British route and was just incandescent that we didn't do that. American but just, just and, for anyone writing really, really, you know, dare I say, nasty reviews. Just remember there's a human being at the other end of that. No matter how... <laughs> we cried ourselves to sleep. I, I was devastated, Me generally. Too. I was devastated. We'd, we'd had lots of good reviews by then. We'd, have, we'd, had, you know, we'd had a good run at the street food business. We had lots of people saying how much they loved it. We didn't really get anyone say they hated it. Then we opened our very first restaurant that we'd literally put literally blood, sweat and tears into. Um, and then we get this review that just tore us a new one. It was like every single element of what we put out in that restaurant, this guy hated. Yeah. And yeah, it, it, it destroyed me to the point where... You stalked him for about I, a week. Well, it wasn't even, yeah, and it wasn't even him. It was some poor guy <laughs> who just walking through Brixton every morning it's who like, just looked a bit like this bloke. You're like, you know that scene in The Simpsons with the two babies that hate each other? You were like, like staring yeah. this guy out for like a week. It wasn't well, even I'm him. Like, well, I'm like chopping potatoes with a massive kitchen him. knife in my hand. Yeah. But we got over that. We got over that. We got much more good reviews than we got bad, didn't we, in that first year? Um, so I don't think that, yeah. No, that in, the, in the realms of mistakes. I, I think, think it was good. It was good to uh, to sort of check what you're doing but yeah I made it I mean I'll, I'll own up to a, a, in the build of Brixton you know the whole self-leveled floor fiasco that is oh, probably yes. still costing us money to this day and that yeah. we built Brixton ourselves not you know we've let forward quite a bit in time here but moving from the marquee into Brixton market with about 10 grand in our pockets Dorian our Co- it was less than seven and a half. Seven and a half. Basically, yeah. Do you yeah. want to explain Dorian how he came? Yeah, so Dorian, as a, as a third co-founder, joined us around this time. A friend of Tom's was living with him in in London. Uh, talked about what we were up to in Brighton, and Dorian had worked for some really successful um, branded restaurants like Strada, and I think was doing some work for Bills and yeah. a bit of stuff for Giraffe at the time. But kind of looking to do something for himself, and heard about Honest and thought burgers were going to be cool. Like we didn't have a clue what was going on in London, did we? Like, but he could no, see no, that not I think at all. Byron had just kicked on and was getting rave reviews, and yeah, could Byron see that maybe sites, the better burger category was something. And here we were in Brighton with our Honest burger. And he loved the name as well. Name was loved a big the name, yeah. So we cooked some food for him, didn't we? And he he kind of agreed to help us out, write a business plan. And I think his with his background, it was find money, you know, VC kind of money, and open a high street. Yeah, you need what, a like quarter of a million quid. It was like yeah. give away an enormous chunk of a business because you, you, you don't yeah. have a business at that stage. We thought he was going to give us all that money because he had this big <laughs> house in Clapham. Yeah. Uh, and then oh, we realised no. very quickly he wasn't and actually he would just join the business for a third of the whatever we could put in. I basically. remember so, his, <laughs> this is when my, my um, expectations dropped because we both, we both thought this is awesome, Door's going to bankroll us yeah, and open the, the restaurant. And he sat yeah. down with us and said... Hi guys, I want in. I'll put in whatever you guys can put in. Yeah, and we're which both like sweet fuck all. Oh, clever. Yeah. Well, is it there? So we well, we raised about another three grand each, didn't we? And yeah. No, so, it's late. It was honestly it was two and a half. Was it another two and a half? We did two and a half, and and a half oh, each. Oh no, no, it was no. He put in three because then we had all we, oh, we, we had, had some of the value to the equipment we already yeah, had. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. It was around including the kit we already had. We had about seven grand plus the kit from the marquee. which yeah. The marquee wasn't much. Smaller than Brixton restaurant. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the great, the great thing. Our marquee was basically the same size as our first restaurant. Yeah, literally. Um, so yeah, we Dorian joined us. We started writing that business plan, um, and you then moved to Brixton and discovered Brixton Market and sort of suggested this as a 
just dip our toe in the water. There's loads of units. This is super cool. The guy, Frank Amanka, had been in there for a few years already yeah. and was knocking out 200 pizzas on a Tuesday night, you know, out of the original Frank Amanka. And we were like, whoa, okay, this is a scene. This is a thing. I think kind of thought say, no one would know, right? No yeah. one would know us. They wouldn't. I, I had I had extra motivation to get this done because I was working in Southbank um, Giraffe at this stage. That's right. Yeah, you were loving life, which you? was probably <laughs> the most depressing stage of my entire life. Was working there. Thanks, Dorian, for that job. Um, but yeah, if you want to know the the real the lowest points of hospitality uh, was was working there, getting getting clicked at and and. Just yeah, being talked to really, really not not as if humans should talk to another human by other humans. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was a rough time for me. But then we—that's when we were like full steam ahead on Brixton. That's, we've got to get this open. But it was a proper DIY job, didn't we? Like, you know, we took this little unit on the edge of a super, the supermarket had three spaces, and they gave us the M1, and we whacked a wall up in the middle, and then basically built the thing ourselves. I mean, literally, yeah. like we built. You put extraction through on the roof, right? And yeah, I drew the short straw and had to to cut into the potential asbestos roof. Yeah. Well, we send you up there in a hazmat suit. What's your problem? <laughs> uh, but my job yeah, and Dora's job was to, time, to we'll level... Realize. I was still working my notice in Riddle and Fins at this point, so I was sort of to and from that. And I had to... We, we bought Self Leveller, which, as the name suggests, you just pour and walk out the door, right? So that's what me and Dor did. See, this is what I mean. But if you were, if you were of today's generation, you'd go onto YouTube... You'd watch a detailed video why? on how to do it. When a product's called self-leveler, no, why the hell would you Google it? It is self-leveling, but it just needs some... It needs. You need to give it a well, little, it's not little massage it? into Bullshit. place. Bullshit. Not honest. So actually, at the time, while Phil and Dor were, were laying a floor, which... A, it, was, it was like a, it was like the room in North Sea. <laughs> he literally, this electrician came in who, uh, who was a friend of Dorian. No, no, he was a, he was a, um, a skimmer. He skimmed our menu. Um, like plaster skimmed it. Yeah, he knows what so that he knows looks like. what that looks like. And he walked in. He was this big, big, um, like huge character, like Polish guy. And he just starts pissing himself. He's like, yeah. it's like a wave. It's like a choppy wave. Yeah. So then, then the beginning of a saga that probably lasted six or seven years. Yeah. Of like, right, what are we gonna do with that? So we got this guy to tile the floor. And about twenty-five grand. We yeah, could have yeah, put yeah. in like oh, Venetian marble Honestly. for the cost of that freaking yeah. floor. The guy that tiled it. Do you remember Wayne? He, Wayne. Uh, he basically. He started one end, and by the time he got to the other, the discrepancy in the level was so much that he was building like concrete stumps. Yeah, for on, the on tiles like to all go on. four sections of a, of a big floor tile. Yeah. And I remember About a week we in. were cooking away, and then you just heard this, <laughs> and the customer's chair leg had just gone straight through the middle of a tile yeah. and just plopped down. And we were like, yeah. ugh. So that got redone. I think we, we, we probably times. have spent about 20 grand on that. And that doesn't even include having to close the restaurant. So you're losing sales to retile the yeah. floor or do redo the floor. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was a error. But I, I honestly, I maintain if, if you call something self leveler. Did you read the instructions? Probably, probably not. Well, Dorian was involved in this as well. I'm not taking this one all on my shoulders. But while we're talking about um, handyman mistakes, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about one of Dorian's howlers. There's definitely a theme to all our mistakes, by the way, and I'm a bit conscious. Like life threatening. Yeah, with just a, a flagrant disregard for health and safety in any way. <laughs> and I just think maybe I have to state, because there's probably other people in our business who work now and whose job this is to make sure that we're very health and safety inclined are probably tearing their hair out when they hear this. Yeah, but we're, 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 we're much better now. We're old, I just want to we're, stay. we're old enough now to be able to reminisce of the, the yeah, good yeah. old days. Right? I meet neither me or Tom have anything to do with health or safety in our yeah. business. Colin is our head of maintenance. He yeah. would not allow us to do anything. No, we don't do any of this stuff anymore. We got it out of our system, but Dorian did. A, I think Dorian did the best one by by a mile. He he basically turned a pair of pliers into some spaghetti, which you still have, by the way. Yeah, we should post that. Have. If we post this podcast, we should post I'll, a picture. I'll post your picture of these pliers. We this was this was another, like a midweek morning with me and Dor in in uh, our Brixton unit, just refurbing it. Basically, I think I was tiling the wall at the time, and Dor was very confidently. Chopping away at this, this like mess of um, it was so old of cables. It? Yeah, it had like Baker Light switches on it. Yeah. It was properly, you know, it could have been sort of thirties, forties, whatever. Um, and stores chopping away, and there's Federation Coffee just down the road, and there's lots of people just sipping their their coffees, having a lovely morning. And I hear this like proper crack and door 
jumps off the ladder he's he's on and he's patting his head. He's running around the front of the restaurant patting his head because he thinks his oh, hair's yeah. on fire. I'd give anything to have um, seen this. I wasn't and I, I just, I, wasn't I literally fold with laughter. I'm on the floor like, yeah. and Dorian is panicking and there's a woman from Federation Coffee. She screamed because it sounded like a gunshot had gone off. <laughs> And door had cut through a 32 amp mains cable and just turned these pliers into spaghetti. It was just like, yeah. And geez. that was that. And I was like, wow, that was that was very lucky. You didn't, do you, yeah, 100 percent die then, door. Yeah, brutal. Do you, and do you remember? Like, I'm going to sort of maybe tail this round this section off a little bit. And that in all of that, do you remember this guy? You told me walked past as you were, you know, we'd gone through all of this, like building this thing ourselves, not really having a clue what we're doing. I remember this near death experiences. And we were about a week from opening and the bloke walked past, took one look at the branding that she'd gone up and we were super excited about. We'd actually written Honest Burgers yeah. on something in the green. Connie had like meticulously spent all day like peeling off this vinyl. Oh and, man, he broke And he, he, he walked past and just went, me. Honest Burgers? That sounds shit, that'll never last. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, man! He literally just went, that'll Sorry, never that was last. A proper and just swear word. Completely destroyed my, yeah. my day then, that bloke. If you're, out there, if you're out there listening and it was you, come see us. We did last. Incredible though how fragile you are, like a, a state of mind Still when you're though, when you're building a yeah even right now but but then more than ever if you're building a you're, you're building something which is you and it's got a part of you in it and that's you know that's what most people do and I think that's when successful businesses come from people trying to be authentic to themselves right and we really tried to do that with honest we didn't do what we thought other people would want we did what we would want out of a concept and luckily other people wanted it as well but but yeah. that's what opens you up to this like really um really kind of vulnerable state of mind because that's what i like like that amp totally. article it literally honestly my wife it, it destroyed me for for days and days and that guy who just said to me honest burgers that'll never last i was like fuck what if he's right what if this has all been a massive mistake <laughs> and you just don't realise how yeah. it's things it's a personal expression of, of yourself and, and I, I, this is a key point by the way because I say this to all our staff you know when we, when we meet them at some of the sessions we run and you know we do still try and hold on to that kind of vulnerability of it like we call it old school hospitality right Where, and you know we don't have uniforms in the restaurant and we do encourage our staff to show up as themselves and be themselves but the, the flip side to that coin and I do address it with them is that if someone is rude to you, and it does unfortunately happen in our industry, and rude is a nice term for some of the stuff that our staff mm. have to put up with these days, um, you know, it will hurt a little bit more if, if you know, you know, you're you're being yourself, which we really encourage our staff to do. So, I it and really stick up for yourself as well, right? We and, always say that. Yeah, and I, I still, you know, I read every single feedback email we get. I do it yeah. every day. Uh, I look at Twitter every day, and you know, it still. Hurts. Now, do I, do I think we're perfect? Like, of course, we make mistakes and everyone has a right to call us out on them, right? But, you know, you still get the odd email. That, it's funny when you see the tone sometimes, like they can come in really hard and talk to you like a business that's really quite large or whatever. Yeah, and, assumptions. You make assumptions. And once you realise, I think once generally people realise there is a human being attached to the other end of that email or tweet, then generally the tone drops down a little bit. You but there's, there's, conversation, there's definitely a mindset, which I think the British is slowly phasing out which is great because i think there's a mindset of we love a bit we love a big spectacular failure in, in this country we like to celebrate oh, yeah. a big mistake like, like as which is a good segue into <laughs> what, this podcast yeah. thank you very much what do we call this um yeah. but but there's also people we've had loads of people email us saying how much they've enjoyed watching our business grow and that they have yeah, seen you know from the very early days we had someone on um on instagram and actually no, maybe it was on tiktok um, a couple of weeks ago, right, really, really like heartfelt post, just being like, I think it was we 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 done a video about our chip production, and she was like, oh, God, I wish I could remember her name. Um, maybe we could find out her name, and I could I could I could say thank you because it was a really that was I was having a bit of a shit day, and I and I read this post, and it was about her just saying, well done, guys, you've done a you've done a really great thing, and you should feel very proud of yourself. Mm. And I felt really, really touched to read that. Um, it's nice, yeah. The nice ones really feel good and the, the bad ones still sting. Yeah, well, I just think, you know, maybe, I'm, maybe I need to be nicer in life because I don't think I've ever written an email to say nice things no. about a, a concept. But we get, we get so many of them come in. And I remember I... But the problem I is we, we don't reward, we don't respond to good ones like we respond to a bad one. Like, I don't think sometimes, and we try to do this, honest, but probably not as good as we should, like... 
we don't probably respond to the people that write nice things and give them the same treatment. Like oh, we do. Someone says some nasty stuff. Like, Ellis replies. Ellis replies to them. Well I tell you the best, when we opened up our first restaurant outside London in, in Cambridge, I got a letter through my front door, no less, which had a wax seal on it. Wow. Basically someone saying, your team in Cambridge are amazing. We had such a great time. That's awesome. And I know where you live. That's awesome. Which is quite creepy, but... <laughs> um, so Mistakes, I we've deviated. Come yeah. on. We're just in nostalgia now, talking about fluffy stuff. And yeah, You're, what would you say is my biggest mistake? I'm going to challenge you. Um, I think I know what you're going to say. Your biggest mistake. Uh, 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 a mistake. <laughs> Quite a big one. You oh man, I thought this would roll off the tongue. I'll give okay, you a clue. Well, Four sites in, first time we tried, an introductory offer. Oh, Portobello. Yeah. Yeah. And that wasn't so much a mistake. That was just more... more well, you, you could argue it was marketing more genius. More you just but... stabbing me in the back. Yeah. Front of house, back of house divide just, just went like that old school yeah. situation. I, it, it depends on what... If you're looking at it from an operations chef kitchen point of view... It was you were better mis- than that. It was a big mistake. If you're yeah. looking at it from a marketing point of view and I'm staring behind the camera at our marketing guys right now and they'll be like, this is awesome, we should do this again. But basically, we did the, in Portobello, site four, free we decided to give away 500 free burgers on our first day, on a Saturday. And our restaurant, for those who in don't know, market, is, yeah, it's, Portobello li- it's Road literally is a market. on Portobello Market Road. So inconsiderate and us to do that. I had no idea, that. yeah, thinking, you know, we'll just do this, it'll be fun. And at like, I remember we went open at 12 and at 10.30, there was a queue of about 300 people already, yeah, snaking their way around all, all these yeah, traders. Sorry to Portobello Market, that was yeah, not Yeah, all the traders good. were losing their shit with us. The police, they called, I think one of them probably called the police, fair enough. Police told me to move the queue, so I had to start taking names and numbers. And then in that panic, at 12 o'clock on the dot, I basically you sat a whole restaurant. Yeah. For, for anyone who's listening who's worked in the kitchen, this is like number one chef complaint from front of house is just overloading the ticket with kitchens. Yeah, don't uh, don't fill the tickets. restaurant up at the same time and then take everyone's order at the same time. They yeah, just basically. put it all through the till. But you, I mean, give myself, the, as I say, you hadn't had to deal with the, 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 the drama that I was dealing with out front. So in my, in, my, in my panic to resolve that, I sat 60 people, took all their orders at once. And then, of yeah. course, again, if you're a chef, you will know that then Rooney you're, in, you're then in a cycle of 60 people leave and another... <laughs> so, it, yeah, it took about yeah. five hours to get through this queue. Um, but PR-wise, and we still had to talk about. We still had builders in the kitchen as well. Oh, man. That was probably yeah. one of the most stressful... And then we, we did it again in King's Cross about... But that's <laughs> when... Like, you know when there's later. stress building, when you can feel it fizzing in your face? Yeah, like, I remember being good. in that kitchen then, and I was like, if, if there wasn't a divide between me and you right now... I would be yeah. fucking just... You, you weren't happy about it. But I learned the next one went smooth, as clean as a whistle. I figured yeah. out how to do long introductory offer cues well. And the next one... So went, what, five sites in you learned? So you made... Well, we, did, yeah, we hadn't done it before. The fir- after the first Fair one. Enough. Give me Fair enough. some credit. Yeah, All right. I only took one, one mistake. My biggest mistake? I mean, it's the one that... The list is so vast. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Again, it's similar, similar, well, the one that you reference quite a lot, which I think it, it depends because I don't think people yeah, think this is about, a mistake. But I want to talk about marketing. Yeah, marketing the, the, now. The marketplace, so site six now. Yeah. So we're still early days. And you decided that to boost our. We just. Yeah, no, but, no, but actually, no, that, that wasn't my mistake. My mistake was why I did it. Yeah, to boost so we, our Twitter yeah, following, right? We had, we had a board meeting, which was very scary. It was like oh, the first, yeah, yeah, proper, first proper time Phil or I had like sat on a, on a you know, professional board. Um, and I had a marketing update to do and just hadn't done any work on it, basically. And this was about three days before, and I was like, fuck, I need to come up with something quick and spicy so I can <laughs> deliver this, like, knockout marketing presentation to our new investors, and um, decided to put a tweet out um, that said, anyone who signs up to our database before 6 p.m. today gets a free burger in our, new market, in our yeah. marketplace restaurant. Um, so I did that. And we had a web developer who, I think he was like, I can't remember, I think he was working full-time, full-time job and just doing this on the side. So we sent out this email. We had about 5,000 people sign up to our database before 6 p.m. And then our web developer didn't take the sign-up sheet down so we had about another 6,000 people that evening sign up to it. And then they just forwarded it all on to oh, their mates. And then, right? and so I thought, I was like, I was like, right, you know, 
good news is we've got about 10, 11,000 people sign up to our database. This is awesome, guys. Now, we, you know, we can really hit the ground running. And I tried to sell it as that. But in reality, we had to give away, I dread to think, probably about 20 to 25,000 burgers because not only had I messed up on the sign-up, I'd also made the redemption the most easily like fraudable 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 um voucher you've ever seen in your life so we had everyone just sending around the whole offices and just coming down going free burger ka-ching free burger ching and yeah and that was a bad one for me because our site was it was a busy site it's just behind Oxford circus so it was going to be busy anyway and i royally screwed the team over then because they had about six weeks of hell trying to get yeah, through these painful these didn't, didn't set burgers. us up for success that one did it i think no. by the way given this is podcast one i'm just throwing ideas out i think we should have a, a little segment for every time tom makes up a new word i think that should become yeah, a thing um with a little jingle maybe tom's new word fraudable give fraud fraudable. I, I don't think fraudable is a word but you have a habit of making up but what did amazing you what word. did you convert that word to the real word fraud no i said fraudable but oh okay so so you, you said it, though. No, no, you said it, but I think it's a good... No, but I, I think said it... Wake, it and it makes sense, but I still think you've made it up. That's the thing. My wife hears a lot of these words. She's like, I always know what you mean. And to be fair, sometimes the words actually yeah, total sense. mean more than the real word. Like Google my it. best word. Google it. Debunkle. Debunkle was a, a, a dream. I actually so said that at a board said, meeting, like debunkle. a very serious board meeting. I was like, yeah, we've had a right debunkle here. And everyone just looked at me like... Do you mean debunkle? <laughs> Tom's oh, yeah. word of the day. It's not a word. We've just been confirmed from behind the camera. Fraudable is not a word, you see? But it should be. You made, it, made, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, in context, it works. Anyway, I've, uh, we're, we're probably already like... Yeah, that was... I think it was finished on the most expensive mistake um, either of us have ever made was that one there. So yeah. we, we've been going for about 50 minutes now, I think. We probably should wrap it up. I know, but there's still so many more mistakes to go. Yeah, <laughs> we we, we need to extend this into... a Number two, we we generally haven't even got okay. a quarter of the way through our business lives yet. How We're at size we need, six. You need we need a cliffhanger. We haven't even started talking about brunch yet. There we Maybe go. Boom! Stop. <laughs> cliffhanger. We haven't even talked about brunch yet. got any questions or you want to get in touch please drop us a message the email is podcast at honestburgers.co.uk and then as always give us a follow on tiktok and instagram at honestburgers we really hope you've enjoyed listening and thank you for tuning in